Welcome to the Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinwart. I'm the director of the Practice Identity and Access Management here at Kupinger Coal Analysts. My guest today is research analyst Alejandro Leal. Um, he is working with Kupinger Coal Analysts out of Stuttgart. Hi, Alejandro. Hi, Matthias. Great to have you. And we want to continue a discussion that we started um, a few weeks ago when we talked about your leadership compass, um, passwordless. And we want to continue the discussion around passwordless authentication um, a bit. Um, one key component for passwordless authentication is the use of biometrics. Uh, why is this so important? And where are maybe some of the challenges regarding uh, bio biometrics within passwordless? Sure. Uh, well, thank you for having me back, Matthias. Uh, I think it's a good idea to first uh, start talking about authentication factors. As we know, there, there are three factors. Factors based on something you have, such as the possession of a smart card or a token. Factors based on something you know, such as login information and passwords. And factors based on something you are. And that's when biometric authentication comes in. We also know that biometric technology is not new. Uh, however, the rise of biometric as a service in recent years has created a very competitive and innovative space. Uh, well, essentially biometrics are mathematical representations of a person's physical and behavioral characteristics, while the former measures physical traits, such as uh, the iris, fingerprints, and the face. The latter focuses on behavioral attributes. Uh, these, in the long run, can be a bit less trustworthy because user behavior can change due to age or, or stress or other factors. Uh, so biometric technology, biometric authentication can be accompanied or used as an alternative to other methods of authentication. And like you said, it is one of the common features of passwordless authentication. And in the past few years, we've seen a surge in creating passwordless experiences. Uh, although this middle ground retains the vulnerability of credential-based attacks or spoofing attacks, biometric authentication still offers the convenient user experience that is associated with passwordless authentication. Um, so when combined with other mechanisms, such as behavioral biometrics or cryptographic keys, step-up authentication, uh, risk-based MFA, logins can be even more secure for users. Uh, therefore, vendors are offering multiple ways to authenticate their users, and they're developing uh, new techniques to keep biometrics secure. As we also talked about last time, uh, account recovery procedures are important things to consider. Uh, so instead of using uh, knowledge-based uh, authentication methods or even passwords to recover your account, uh, many solutions are now using biometric authentication to do this. 
however, there are architectural, security, and privacy concerns that need to be considered. And I'm sure that's something you, you would like to discuss. Absolutely. Let's let's start with the security side of things. Um, I'm very much a privacy guy, so I I, I keep that for the later part of this of this episode. But where do you think are key security issues when it comes to to biometrics, and uh, how are they addressed within products? Well, uh, despite the promise of biometric authentication, many people are still reluctant to move away from traditional uh, methods of authentication uh, because of user acceptance or privacy limitations, deployment costs, security concerns. Uh, I think there are two questions that are important to consider when it comes to implementing biometric authentication. One is how can organizations deploy biometrics responsibly? And the other is how can we use biometrics to enable trust and privacy. You see, everyone wants the benefits of biometric authentications. It's, it's very convenient, it's easy to use, uh, but nobody wants to pay the security price. So the biometric industry is facing the challenge to deliver secure and at the same time convenient uh, authentication processes. Uh, if we look at the history of the industry, there are several uh, inflection points. I think the first one was probably over 20 years ago uh, after 9-11, the American government and the industry started to use biometric authentication to increase security. Uh, but I'd say that maybe the, the most important inflection point was the, uh, the use of mobile biometrics uh, because they popularized the use of fingerprints to authenticate. Uh, Apple's Touch ID uh, implemented this fingerprint technology for their new iPads and iPhones, as well as their Apple service payment. And other devices such as uh, Samsung Galaxy, they use Iris uh, technology. And lately, Apple X, uh, the iPhone X, has been using facial recognition technology. Uh, so as these options become more popular, other biometric uh, modalities are expected to grow as well. But more recently, the outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic drastically accelerated the utilization in many organizations and businesses, and it also increased the adoption of biometric authentication. Uh, if we see the rise of online transactions and e-commerce during the pandemic uh, that pushed biometrics to the forefront. Uh, additionally, during the pandemic, many of the vendors and service providers of biometric authentications, they also increased innovation because as people started to use masks, many of these solutions had to uh, innovate and acquire new capabilities to recognize people while wearing a mask. Uh, so essentially, the practicability of biometric authentication uh, depends on the use cases they intend to address. Uh, in the private sectors, we, we see the use of biometric authentication in, in many industries, but specifically in the financial uh, industry. 
In addition to the private industry, uh, the public sector is also a space that implements biometric authentication. Uh, major initiatives such as e-passports, e e e-driving licenses, cross-border collaboration, uh, and national RDs are continuously pushing and, and driving the market in the public sector. Uh, however, there is a great deal of variation uh, in the deployment, usability, functionality, and reliability of both different biometric modalities and vendor implementations. So as we were talking before, data privacy and security are probably the main concerns that organizations and users have. The regulation of biometric data is still in the making and discussions about legislative and regulatory interventions are challenges, but are also presenting an opportunity to raise public awareness. Uh, for example, in Europe, we see the implementation of GDPR, uh, which is one of the best known privacy regulations, and it imposes stiff penalties if there are no compliance. Uh, in addition, uh, since the introduction of GDPR, privacy has become closely associated with data protection. Uh, for example, biometric samples are considered to be personable, identifiable information, according to GDPR. Uh, on the contrary, we see in the United States that there's an absence of a federal, a comprehensive federal law that focuses and regulates the usage of biometric data. So we see this difference between Europe and the United States when where in the United States, perhaps users are looking forward to having a more convenient method, whereas in Europe, perhaps users are more uh, aware of privacy concerns. Yeah, I think collecting and, and storing and, and processing biometric data um, is actually in, in, in Europe, I'm not, an, I'm not a lawyer, but this is what I assume from, from a practice perspective, is not, is, is not that easy and it's usually also not that common, I hope at least. Um, but that has um, changed or is different in other countries, I assume. So that, that's really an important topic because our biometrics cannot be considered as, as a secret. I'm showing my face to that camera. So my face as the, authenticating factor cannot be considered as a secret. So we need to add additional mechanisms. Um, is this where security issues also arise from, that data can be collected somewhere else? Yes, that's right. Uh, many people have this, uh, let's say, lack of trust when it comes to maybe cloud providers storing their biometric data. Uh, for example, also, if we take a look at the financial industry, Many organizations are also subject to anti-money laundering and know your customer regulations. Uh, in the, in Europe, the EU revised payment service directive is also an important, uh, element that many organizations and users alike are, are paying attention to because these mandates that financial consumers, uh, they must be authenticated strongly, so strong authentication, meaning that they have to have two of the following, uh, something you know, something you have, or something you are. So many vendors are uh, 
trying to combine something you have, let's say a device and something you are. And in this context, that would be biometrics. Right. I'm a rather late joiner of the, of the face ID community. I've just, I've just switched over to a new phone and have this facial recognition. But I think that is exactly what you mean. So when, when we, when we do um, biometric authentication using our phone, our mobile device, it is actually the combination of both. It is something I own because it's my phone and my, my, my face as, um, as the biometrics, which is then also stored within the, the secret element within my, my phone. So uh, the phone in effect plus that I use it is actually the combination of something I am and something I own. Does that increase security and reduce privacy issues? Yes, I'd say that high deployment costs and the, the fear of of privacy and the fear of security are going to hamper the growth of the market. Uh, as long as there is no security or privacy scandal in Europe or in North America, it seems that users are still going to continue using biometric to authenticate themselves. Uh, so I think it's important that service providers adhere to industry standards. Uh, they also deliver a clear message to users to raise public awareness of what biometric authentication really is, what are the challenges, and they need to place security and privacy at the forefront of the conversation in order to make biometric authentication be more secure and convenient and deliver its promise. Right. So it's a call to action from your side towards the, towards the vendors, the service providers to, to increase the, the, the level of, of information about what they are doing and how they process data. So, and, and on the other hand, um, an education part towards the end users to understand where the risks really are, because there are risks and they need to be properly mitigated. Um, and then the, um, increased security that biometrics, uh, obviously deliver can be leveraged in a, in a proper way. Would that be one of the takeaways of our discussion today? Yes, yeah, certainly. And as passwordless authentication continues to grow, uh, because it's expected to grow, uh, I think this is an important message that passwordless vendors need to also consider. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Alejandro, for that insight. Um, I want to hint at a, a new service that we will be launching at Kupinger Call um, early in 2023. It will be a highly interactive, a more um, digital service that, that will um, be available very soon. I cannot give away uh, too much as of now, but I think passwordless is a topic that will be around that service as well. Um, Uh, until then, uh, thank you very much, Alejandro, for sharing your thoughts about um, um, passwordless authentication, biometrics, and the challenges that go with that. And I'm really looking forward to having you very soon for another episode. Thanks again. Thank you, Matthias. Thank you. Bye-bye.